back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, and my co-host, Christian Conway. The summer of soccer is in full swing. Yeah, we've got the U.S. men, U.S. women, and LA Galaxy uh, updates for you. So, as you might have seen, uh, U.S. men defeated Costa Rica 4-0. Um, you know, we're talking about these beatable games and, and these winnable teams, you know. So, here we are. The, they're looking better they're looking up up to shape um you know i'm not gonna you know juice it up too much because we have to see what's gonna happen um come gold cup it's a whole other thing when you're playing a friendly um and when you're coming off of uh, a win against mexico and then yeah then looking looking toward gold cup and, and then later world cup qualifiers so there's there's plenty of work to be done yeah and i think this costa rica game kind of fell a little weirdly because it was always going to be the uh the the kind of the 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 second star in that in that in that window right that you know we had the nation's league and how big that was for the united states just from a perspective of all right this is the first time that you know this group of players really has has been together to play in a competitive environment and then oh yeah and they also have to go to to say to utah and play costa rica like woohoo you know kind of thing um but i think this was there was reasons for that. I mean, they, they scheduled this because now with the, the way that the, the, the World Cup qualifying schedule has been compressed, now international windows are, are three games long instead of two. You know, your, your, your travel constraints are different. I mean, you even saw it yesterday when the, uh, the draw for the, the octagonal, the final round of qualification came out, where the United States will be on the road, home on the road in the first, you know, the first three games. That's, that's going to be a lot of travel. That's going to be a lot of, you know, and obviously, where they put that home leg does matter because I believe they go they go to uh, El Salvador first, then they play Canada at home, and then they go to Honduras. I mean, I would assume that that Canada home game is going to be a little bit closer to you know maybe in the south somewhere, just simply because to, to ease travel restraint or uh, restriction that you know it just makes it easier on the body. But I think this was a this was a opportunity for a lot of guys that may have been on the fringes, look you know on the outside looking in when it comes to you know kind of the 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 A team. Um, and I think we learned a lot about you know some players that we haven't really had a sh- uh, had a chance to to get to know. I mean, uh, Daryl DK is probably the one that is is was the biggest kind of unknown quantity for us in terms of a national team context. I mean, his his season at Barnsley speaks for itself. But you know, could he translate that to the national team level? And you know, he he had his opportunities. He definitely was successful in this game against Costa Rica. Um, I think this game also reinforced that priority number one for the United States at all times when it comes to the men's national team program is keeping Tyler Adams healthy. Like, that—that that is priority number one. Like, you know, anything else can happen, but Tyler Adams has to be involved. And I think, you know, you saw in the game against Mexico, the United States really shaped up when Tyler Adams was, was able to influence the game. But, you know, when he was able to go from minute one, I mean, you just saw how easy the United States dominated midfield, dominated, Costa, uh, you know, Costa Rica. Now, I, I will say it, was, it, it looked like a tired Costa Rica side. I don't blame them. Um, they two pretty rough defeats um, in, the, in the Nations League. Um, both on penalties, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it was it was definitely leggy from both teams at times. You know, obviously this wasn't going to be played at the same intensity as, as the Nations League games. But I think, you know, there's there some some valuable points of, of information just from some of the younger guys um, in, in this game. You know, I think. Um, but but again, you know, the big winner for me against against Costa Rica was Tyler Adams and, and, and seeing how he slots in when he's healthy shows exactly what this midfield is capable of. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to look too far ahead, but. You know, if they can get, you know, I, I was texting a friend last night, you know, if they can get seven points out of those first three games in qualification, I'm going to feel really good. And looking at what I saw, you know, over that window, you know, kind of the Costa Rica game being the 
the, the the final statistic point. I feel very good about things going into qualification come this fall. Yeah, I definitely look forward to seeing it. And obviously, we, you know, us fans, the the team, everybody wants that that stamp to Qatar. So, I I think it's going to be really really great um, to see what how it's going to pan out. I mean, I know as a U.S. fan, you you are kind of a little bit still shaky <laughs> on um, how the team's going to fare, but but I think. I think they're showing a lot more heart and spirit that it's worth supporting, it's worth watching, um, and there you have it. Well, I think also, you know, you, you, you make a very good reference to, to what happened in, in 2017 and the failure in Trinidad, but, but I think, you know, this feels different just simply because everyone's a little older, right? Like, everyone's a little bit more seasoned, everyone's mm-hmm. been there. You know, you talk about Christian Pulisic winning the Champions League, well, he never had that frame of reference come 2007, you know, or 2017, excuse me. You know, like these players that are incredibly critical players just never had the frame of reference at the highest level, you know, because they were just starting to break through at their club sides. You know, Tyler Adams wasn't playing, you know, in the Bundesliga, you know, like Weston McKinney wasn't playing at Juventus, you know, like these guys weren't right. there. And now they've, they've been there. They've been in these high stress situations. I mean, you know, the problem with 2017 was that they had a lot of players that were on their last legs and a lot of young guys that could have stepped in but just didn't have the frame of reference to understand you know, this is what you do in a big game. Now we have that frame of reference. And now there's a lot more confidence in that because, I mean, you know, an American is currently a Champions League winner. Like, you know, like there, there's, we, we put, you know, we put two people in a Champions League final, you know, between Christian Pulisic and, and, and Zach Steffen. Like that frame of reference just wasn't there in 2017. And I under, you know, we we could wax lyrical about why 2017 went wrong for, for hours. And, and, sure. and there's been hours and hours and, you know, miles and miles of ink spilled about that. And we definitely don't need to rehash that drama. But I think, you know, I think the difference going into this qualification cycle versus maybe other qualification cycles is the young players aren't just young. They have, they have the experience and the frame of reference of being in high stretch situations, knowing how to get out of those um, victorious. That's why I think, you know, winning the Nations League was so critical. It was because, you know, if we if we find ourselves you know in that same situation where it's a must win game or they have to get a draw or something like that, you know, I don't know necessarily had they you know had they gone out in the Nations League and gotten pounded by Mexico in the final, I don't know if I necessarily feel as confident as they do today. Where I'm like, yeah, these guys know how to get a result when they need to get a result, and that's the, that's the overarching difference of the program over the past you know maybe I'd say since 2017 is that that was always the big question was you know going to 2016 17 qualification cycles was. Well, do they know how to do it when they need to get it done? I think that answer is yes. And I think the answer is a resounding yes now. And I think that's been proven, especially in this most recent window. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, honestly. Um, I, I think you're right that if that Mexico game had gone another way, we, we wouldn't be um, as optimistic. Um, Dare I say optimistic? Am I using that word now? Like, <laughs> it's a weird feeling, right? Like, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling to be around this team and like say, like, oh yeah, like I actually feel okay with things. Like, everything's gonna be okay, kind of. You know, like it is. It's weird to feel that, right? Because I mean, you're talking about the Clinton era, and and I think that damaged the mental side of this team in a way that I I don't think we fully appreciated the effects of as the years have gone by. Um, but now it's like. As you said, it's like optimism, and that's just a weird emotion to feel around this team. Because after so many years of a fatalistic, well, let's hope this goes right. You know, like it's kind of like, okay, no, I actually think this can go right. You know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and that there are um, more pieces to the puzzle that fit, and not just with more experiences, but you can see the way that, that they're playing together, and, you know, come come July, um, you know, it's it's going to be a little unfortunate for MLS players to to be out just because you know you want your you want your team to do well uh, but when it's when it's super important international games uh, of course you know that's where that depth that that um, you know all the build-up that that they're doing um, it's it's gonna be really interesting as, a, as an MLS fan to watch that side of things how they deal with like their some of their top players being gone uh, internationally and then and then get to watch these clubs really uh, you know, go at it, and then also for the U.S. to to face their opponents. Yeah, and, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think the Gold Cup falls at a very interesting time, uh, more so than probably previous other Gold Cups. And and I've I've long kind of devalued the Gold Cup. I think I think it is it's it's a victim of its own. Uh, I've never seen a tournament that's so good at shooting itself in the foot quite like the Gold Cup is. Um, but I think this is going to be this is this is a very interesting Gold Cup in the way that it falls because this is the last audition for a lot of players to convince Bearhalter that they should be part of the World Cup qualifying cycle. And Bearhalter has been very very vocal about it's going to be an all hands on deck situation when it comes to World Cup qualifying, just simply because of the the the, the, the way the games come. They come thick and fast. You have three games in a window, and you normally you know you you obviously have your preferred starting eleven. You have your preferred twenty three that you call in. But obviously, that's not always going to be the case, right? There's injuries, there's club realities, there's you know, the reality of operating in in the greater context of of the soccer ecosystem. He's he, and usually, you know, like kind of, I, I believe I saw it somewhere where um, basically, like, usually in a, in a World Cup qualifying cycle, usually around 35 different players are called. Usually, that's about kind of the average. But Bear Halter's been a vocalist saying he's willing to call up as many as 45 different players throughout the cycle. Like this Gold Cup, I don't know necessarily if, you know. We talked about the Nations League and like, well, well, what is the Nations League at the end? Is it is is it an experiment for you know uh, the smaller countries to experiment and, and bring in new players and see what they are capable of? Almost that's the Gold Cup for the United States, right? Like this is an opportunity for some of the guys that you know are on the fringes looking in. Maybe a Walker Zimmerman or you know um, uh, the keeper out of uh, uh, New England, uh, Matt Turner, or, or those kind of guys to kind of say like, look, you know, I deserve to be a part of this. I know I'm not in ink starting eleven. World Cup begins tomorrow. I'm in the starting eleven, but I'm a guy that you can rely on. If you know, say, I don't know, worst case scenario, Christian Pulisic goes down with a hamstring or something. Like you know, an MLS player can come out and say, like, look, I can step up and be that next guy. If you know, we have to get three points at home against El Salvador. Like that is what I think the the overarching thing of this Gold Cup is going to be for the United States men's national team. Isn't necessarily about winning it, which. Okay, <laughs> let me let me rephrase what I'm kind of getting at here. Obviously, whenever you enter a tournament, as far as I am concerned, your goal is to win. That, that is that should be your primary goal. It should always be, you know, the, the goal should always be trophies. You know, I always hate, for example, when teams don't take the U.S. Open Cup seriously. That they're like, oh, it's an experience, or an, it's experience for our younger players, but we don't really, we're not invested in winning it. It's like that's an insult to your fan base. That's an insult to your club. You should be invested in winning every single time you walk out into a tournament. But I also do understand that there is a certain experimentation that the United States needs to do in order to be ready for September, October, when qualification begins, which is, you know, getting these guys, like, as I mentioned, like a Walker Zimmerman and Matt Turner or, you know, Kellen Acosta or someone, someone like that, you know, getting them reps, getting them in. It's still DK, for example. Um, 
so I think this is it, it's kind of this weird situation where I think the United States and we saw it, you know, with with the Gold Cup final selling out in 90 minutes, right? Like th- there is expectation around this tournament for for both Mexico and the United States. Now, is it there? Is it going to be their air plus rosters? Not at all. Not even close. I mean, you know, I, I love the guy, but you know, Mexico is thinking about calling in Chicharito. Like that, he doesn't make the A plus roster for Mexico as far as I'm concerned at this point in time. Um, like that, also, a guy as a Galaxy fan, you don't really want out. Yeah, true. That, you know. Um, so, but I think you know this. I, I, what I hope is that Bear Halter can harness this sense of you guys are auditioning for spots in World Cup qualifying and create that competition to make the United States a competitive team in this Gold Cup. That's what I'm hoping for. And um, you know, if, if we don't win it, I'm not going to be heartbroken. I, we we rarely win the Gold Cup anyway because it's usually we end up against Mexico in the final. Mexico beats us. But it's like it's okay if that doesn't happen. But I, I I'm much more interested in you know. I don't think the results is the be-all, end-all here in the Gold Cup. I think more the process and who is picked and how they do is much more important coming in in July. Yeah, and, you know, not to compare the men to the women, but you, as a U.S. fan, you have these expectations that your team is going to be in that final, you know? Like, it is going to be U.S. versus whoever come Gold Cup final, right? Uh, I think that's why so many of our friends bought tickets um you know that's the expectation if it's not obviously it's still going to be a good match but um I, I definitely think they're they're really contenders for it you know um it does feel good I mean I've I've really enjoyed uh being at, at gold cup matches regardless and then of course you want your team to win um so I'm looking forward to to it and like you're saying with not only the selection um, that Berhalter has, but with the team that's come together with their drive, with, you know, the names now. Because, like, before there was, like, a time there where you're just like, I don't feel, like, the Onyewus. I don't feel the the Clint Dempseys. You know what I mean? Like, in the Wandos and the Donovans. Like, where, you know, where are these guys at? And now, finally, I feel like these guys are, are... going to go down in history in a good way yeah and and, and I, I, I i i i i understand you know the point that you make about kind of the the fact that you know when they were at their height you know the dempseys of the world and the and the of the american system and, and the wandalowskis and the and the donovans may have not been internationally sexy names but i think <laughs> you know but i think that was kind of the, the beauty of that those when they were at their height that was almost the beauty of it was that you know in an international in, in an american context you know, obviously, Clint Dempsey and, and, and Landon Donovan and Gucci and are going to go down as legends. They 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 will. You know, uh, but you know, um, there was a, there was a grittiness about them, and they knew that because they knew they weren't you know playing for Juventus. They knew they weren't playing for you know Real Madrid or or Barcelona, whatever have you. And I I I, I think that informed this 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 grittiness that we've kind of we went away from under Klinsman. That almost feels like Bear Halter's bringing back in a certain way, which I would have never expected, considering you know what you saw in Columbus was Bear Halter's teams were always, you know, technically gifted, but they weren't you know what I would call warriors on the field. Um, so you know, I, I think you know the United States when it comes to as a national team program is always this dance between constantly wanting to seek validation on the international stage in a way that you know kind of we get talked about in in amongst the Frances and the Germanys and the Portugals and the you know the Spains of the world um but also with that sense of kind of down home american you know almost 
to steal a weird metaphor, but that good old American cooking kind of thing, you know, where it's like, you know, blue collar workmen, like, you know, you know, in our own unique way. And I think that's, I think Bear Halter has done a very good job of merging those two identities and, and walking that tightrope very, very well, because I think our, our previous managers either swayed on one side or the other of that tightrope in a too extreme way. Yeah. And as a, as a U.S. fan, like, you, you know, you're always trying to hope that soccer is going to grow in this nation and that you're going to have, um, you know, I mean, even when like a, a player can choose like, oh, he can go on the Mexico side or the U.S. side, you know, there's a sense of pride. There's a sense when he decides to play for for the U.S. side, because it's just, you know, you're so used to, you know, the U.S. being compared to other countries and other leagues and whatnot. And it's just like, you know what? No, like the U.S. has its development and it has its players and it, and it it can, you know, it, it can be something that can that can have the the sense of pride and say and development you know i i think like when you were saying over the last few years of the things that have changed i mean it's incredible if you go back and listen to old episodes how <laughs> we were talking about and, and we didn't always record everything you know um but just the discussions that we used to have even with jamie of just oh this is what we're hoping that u.s soccer is going to be this is how we're hoping to see the development you know and I just can't believe that, that some years have passed already. And like, here, here we are. And we're talking about like, yeah, you know, the gold cup, Oh, 2022 world cup qualifiers. Like, like, dang, like this, like this is, this is big. This is big as a fan. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled, you know, that we're, we're seeing these develop, these, these players develop. And, um, you know, I was not a fan of Berhalter, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested now to see what what he can do for our team. Yeah, I I, I think the future is bright, and and I, it does feel like okay, you know, we we got this thing. Like, and I I know it's I know it's very early before World Cup qualifying. I know, mm-hmm. but it does kind of feel like hey, we got this. Like everything's going to be okay. Yeah, so we'll we'll definitely have to see it, and we'll be here to record on all of it. Um, and yeah, the U.S. women played uh, quietly. It seems I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, against Portugal and then Jamaica. Yeah, it's been an interesting kind of summer series for them. Um, they got the game. I think they got the game they wanted against Portugal, and that's kind of an odd thing considering it, you know it, it took them until you know the late doors in order to get that that goal to to win this game. Um, you know, but but you know, Vlakonenovsky stressed that he wanted to play teams that were tough to break down because he figured you know. If you look at the group that the United States are in, they're in a group with with Sweden. The group that they're in the Olympics uh, uh, with, they're in a group with Sweden, um, good old Sweden, uh, Australia, and, uh, and and New Zealand. And, and you figure when you when you are planning friendlies for before a tournament, you usually try to find teams that are similar to what you're going to play in the group stage. You know that's why you know the United States will always you know before for example before World Cup 2014, you know they played Nigeria, they played. Um, I remember because they played uh, Scotland and they played, um, I think they played Turkey. And, um, you know, th- there was just, it was very similar styles over those three games. You could say, okay, this is a foil for this team. This is a foil for that team. You know, I think Portugal's a foil for, for Sweden in the sense that Sweden is the same old Sweden we've known since, you know, they, they surreptitiously knocked us out in 2016, which is just a defensively solid team that's not going to give you a lot of air. It's not going to give you a lot of free-flowing movement on the ball and you have to break them down. And, you know, the United States... You know, and Vlaco stressed this. He said, "For all of our pretty movement, 
it doesn't really matter if we can't break down a low block team. And so I think that's why the Portugal game was kind of critical for them was because it's like, okay, you know, like, how do we do this? And it did look like they struggled against Portugal. I think also, you know, losing Julie Ertz, uh, you know, you, you hope that she'll be, the, the, the thought is that she will be healthy for the first game um, was definitely a blow. Tobin Heath also uh, rumored to be healthy for the first game. I think Tobin Heath's just incisiveness and creativity would have made a very big difference being paired with Kristen Press. Um, the 4-0 win um, two nights ago over Jamaica, um, you know, I thought Jamaica was going to give them a little bit of a tighter game. Um, I, I, I really do like that young Jamaican side. I think they're fun to watch. Um, they've just got, you know, such crea- creativity and speed on the ball, and they're just, they, they, you know, it, they are on the verge of a, a, a major breakthrough, I have a feeling, um, even if, you know, the, the, the Jamaican Federation threatens to cut funding every year, um, systematically. I believe the estate of Bob Marley is actually single-handedly funding the women's team in Jamaica, um, which is an incredible thing, but it should never have gotten to that point. Um, but we've we've railed about na- national federations not supporting their women's team on this podcast a hundred thousand times, and we'll continue to do it as long as it exists. Yeah, I was going to say. And speaking of, you know, the the U.S. women play Mexico next, and Mexico has also had their struggles. Uh, we, we play Nigeria this evening, and then we play Mexico. Are we playing Mexico on the send off? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I know they play Nigeria this evening, which is an interesting kind of game, and we'll get into that in a second. But you know, I think the big. We said this last week, and I've long maintained this. I view these five games right before the Olympics, at least these first three, so the, the Portugal, uh, Jamaica, and Nigeria tonight games, I view them as open auditions. I have a feeling out of the 18 players that are going to Tokyo, I'd say 14 of them, their names are in pen. Like they, Vladko knows they're going. They, you know, they're not going anywhere. You know, Obviously, two of those names, Julie Ertz and Tobin Heath, I think... They probably have asterisks next to their name, and maybe it's written in removable ink, just in case of injury. Um, you know those old like erasable ink pens that you had in elementary school. Um, but I think so. So now it's a question of those last, you know, four slots. Let's say I, I, I may be on the high side on that. It might be just two, but I, let's just in this hypothetical, let's play with those four slots. The game against I think the game against Portugal was his best starting eleven. That's the starting eleven. You know add Julie Ertz and Tobin Heath that will go out in the first game of the group stage and that will be the, the best starting 11. I think that's that was kind of that. These next two, the, the Portugal game, he got a little experimental and I, I have a feeling he's going to get a little bit more experimental again against Nigeria tonight. But those were, that was, those these two games, you know, the port, or the um, the uh, the Jamaica game and the Nigeria game, that's where the auditions happen. And I think, you know, there's, there's two big winners that came out of uh, Jamaica, the Jamaica game. That's Carly Lloyd and, and Midge Purse. And then there's, you know, you, I think this game tonight against Nigeria is going to be the final kind of like, all right, you know, this is, this is your last shot to prove to me that you deserve to be on the plane to Tokyo. You know, I think Carly needed that goal um, against uh, Jamaica. I think she desperately did. And I mean, she, she took it with a plum. I mean, Rose Lavelle's ball obviously was, was stunning, but, you know, still got to finish it. And, and she did a very good job of that. You know, in Midge Purse, I mean, we've been kind of always, it's always kind of been like, one day she'll get it, one day she'll get there, and she's finally getting there. So I think, you know, competition's very intense right now at this point in time, but I think, you know, you hope that against Nigeria tonight that they they kind of, that everything becomes crystal clear, that like all of a sudden, okay, you know, we know this 18. And then um, as you go into the final two friendlies, you know, obviously the squad will be announced before those two friendlies just so they can start working together and, and gelling and, and whatever have you. Um, that that you know we'll see what happens but i i would say 
you know, there, there's probably 14 names on Vladko's in Vladko's diary right now that are in pen going to Tokyo. And now it's a question of, well, who are those last four? And, you know, if, if you know, stock up, stock down, I'd have to say Carly Lloyd and, and Mitch Purse's stock went up in a big way against uh, Jamaica. Yeah, and uh, tonight's game is actually going to be played in front of a sold-out crowd. What an exciting time in Austin. I believe it, you know, it's it the is. the opening of that stadium. I was going to say it's the opening of that stadium, so it's, it's going to be a, a very exciting affair. Um, and Nigeria's a good team. I mean, you know, they, 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 they were good in, in, in the 2019 World Cup. You know, they, you know, very tricky, skilled side, very fast side, um, very technically gifted. Um, I, I believe, I can't remember who they played in a game that I, I, I got a chance to watch. Um, but I was, I was very impressed. I, I remember leaving the stadium very impressed. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's a young side, too. So it's, it's kind of exciting to see, you know, just, just young players. And, and, and they've been told by their coach, you know, just go, you know, you guys are young, go out and have fun. And that's always kind of a fun team to, to watch, you know. It doesn't make for the most, you know, like disciplined, stylistic soccer. Not, not always, but, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, you, you just want to see young players expressing themselves. And that, that Nigeria side definitely is one of those teams that, that has that quotient about them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it tonight. I think, it, I think it'll be a fantastic affair. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the the U.S. women, you know, they can't fall asleep on on teams, and I don't I don't think they would either. But you know what I mean? They like like it's you know not that assumption that they're just gonna win it, you know, because that's who they are. Um, I think that that they'll they'll give it they'll give it a really good go, and I think Nigeria is gonna give them a good um, good run. I think it's gonna be really exciting. Yeah, and I'm you can actually watch it on uh, ESPN and Fubo TV. So yeah, it, I, I, yeah, this is this is going to be the final. This is the final audition, and I'm excited to kind of see where where Vlatko's thinking. You know, because he's he's outthought everyone for most of the part of, of of his tenure, and I'm interested to see kind of where he's leaning in terms of what this thing is going to look like come you know in, in a week's time. Because I mean, squads already started to get announced. I know the Dutch announced their squad today. Um, and so we'll, it's definitely something to, to keep a pulse on in the coming week. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to be able to say, like, uh, oh, we don't know who it is. Because in, in this way, it's a good problem to have, um, right? Because you've got the depth, you've got, you've got so many wonderful players uh, to choose from. So, um, I mean, obviously, I, I definitely think um, in Tokyo, you know, the team will benefit from certain picks, but... But we'll see. We'll see what Vlatko goes with, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, so, finally, uh, LA Galaxy will be playing at a full-capacity game this Saturday. Super excited to be with Christian in V-Block. And uh, tailgating starts at noon. Um, and uh, another pointer to sell this game is that the Galaxy are playing the Seattle Sounders and the Sounders have not lost a match yet this season. Um, you know, the Galaxy definitely have something to prove uh, to come around and beat them this time. Um, I mean, the, the Sounders have tied the last two games, um, which would be quote unquote disappointing for them, right? Um, with that said, I think the Sounders are missing some players due to health concerns and so you know as long as they can stay healthy and then obviously you want the galaxy to stay healthy uh, Jonathan Dos Santos is expected to be available for that match um, we're getting uh, Kulabali now 
and um, uh, Augie Williams won't be there because of the international play for Sierra Leone. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting lineup, a really interesting match. Yeah, you know, first off, just just to kind of quickly make a mention of it, you know, congratulations to Augie Williams leading, um, you know, him and Kai Kamara and, and the MLS contingent for Sierra Leone. Uh, leading Sierra Leone to their first African Cup of Nations, and I believe something, or you know, I, I, I let me look it up, but it, it was a significant milestone for for the country's national team program. Um, it, it was it was really cool. Uh, they uh, their first appearance since 1996, um, so that's an incredible achievement. I, um, I retweeted a video out on my feed of of uh, kind of just the celebration of the streets, and that's always it's always fun to see a nation that hasn't been to a tournament in a long time. You know that that moment of celebration, realizing. Um, I think it it almost makes you know kind of you know we're so used to qualifying for the World Cup or whatever and and it's it's cool to see nations that that doesn't happen to all the time, um you because know, you you understand how much it means to them so congratulations to Augie Williams and, and the entire country of Sierra Leone for that uh, success. This is an interesting game. I agree with you. I think you know you, you make the mention of the three draws um, that Seattle had um, in 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 the eight games that they've played. I think you know we we talk a lot about international breaks and it's like you know. You, there's almost never a good time for a national break, but if you're not, you know, if, if you're losing a lot of games, it's great when you have an international break, right? Because you stop, everyone trains together, you know, everyone kind of you know, goes on vacation, you know, every everything feels a little better. Yeah, <laughs> and I think for the Galaxy, that was almost this was almost the worst timing of the international break, right? Because I mean, they were on a roll, good momentum, you know, the Portland game aside, um, and then you know, it all goes away. And then, you know, Legette goes off to international duty and, and Augie Williams goes off to international duty. And then, you know, we don't know, you know, Jonah, you know, kind of, there's questions about his health status or whatever. Um, Seattle needed this. Um, you know, they were, I think they were creating something like 0.82 XG over the last five games. Like they, they were dire in front of goal. You know, their goalkeepers were, were basically dropping like flies. Um, you know, they, they, they were dealing with injuries. I mean, re, or, uh, not Rudis, excuse me, Nico Lodero, still they weren't entirely sure what the deal was there. You know, they, they, this came at just the right moment for the Sounders. And that's always concerning when something plays into the Sounders' hands, right? Because it usually means, okay, uh, the rest of MLS better be concerned. Um, but I think, you know, I think if, it, you know, I don't know what Seattle we're going to get, in all honesty. And, and I think if we get the Seattle that was kind of struggling near the end towards the international break, I do think the Galaxy will have their opportunities. I mean, you look at the way that Chicharito's been moving, you know, how, how fantastic he's been. I mean, obviously, there's there's discussion that he might be called up for the Gold Cup for Mexico. Um, you know, it, obviously, Jonathan Dos Santos is a huge, huge critical part of this, this this team and having him back and having him healthy. You know, they've got time. They've had time to bet in Grancier and, and Cabral. They've, they've had time with the team. They've gotten more comfortable around the team. Um, they now have Koulibaly. You know, I, I think... You know, these there are two teams in this game with a lot of open questions, right? Like I think with Seattle, it's you know what is the injury status? You know, is this the team that really struggled to create from open play? You know, near the end, especially in those last three games, you know, is 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 Nico Lodero ready to go? You know, what is Rui Diaz's mentality after he got left out of the Peru side for Copa America? Um, I have no idea what they were thinking there, um, which is kind of a bummer for for Galaxy fans because it would have been really nice not to have to face Rui Diaz. Um, and then for the Galaxy, it's you know, all these new pieces right and all these new kind of ways of thinking and, and and a new coach and, and everything you know did the international break give them time to kind of sit down look at the first seven games of the season and be like all right here's what we're doing really well here's what we need to improve on and did that message get through and i think if that message got through then the galaxy are in really good shape right now like i think the galaxy are in a good place right now but i think you know so that that's the big kind of question for me at least around the galaxy and the question around seattle for me is you know, the goal started to dry up. 
is that still the case or is Rui Diaz come back from from the Peru camp after getting left out in the cold and does he just say I'm going to show you something you know kind of thing like you know does he is this is this the Raul Rui Diaz revenge tour um if it if it is then the Galaxy defense is going to have to lock up very fast because I think you know not having Derek Williams and and, and integrating Koulibaly and, and everything that's you know center back pairings aren't born overnight and so I think that's going to be a very big question for the Galaxy too is you know kind of how or the Galaxy as well um you know how does how does the, def- the the defensive shape work? Because the problem isn't scoring goals right now, right? It's it's not. It's a question of defensively, what are the Galaxy? Yeah, especially, okay, you have Jonathan Bond, and I'll praise him. Um, I'll hail Bond. <laughs> it's just like, you need the defense so that way Bond doesn't have to work five times as hard. Um, and, and with a team like the Sounders, they're... Yeah, they're formidable. They're going to take shots. They're going to take advantage of any slight error. Um, I think it can get a little predictable for the Sounders in terms of, like, Alex Rodon um, crosses from deep, and that's pretty much all that he's really offering right now. So I think if the Galaxy mark the the men, you know, and... uh, really just take take shots themselves um because that's yes defense is going to be super important i wouldn't be surprised if these goals come late uh for either team uh just because of that um but i think i think that the sounders are really hard to score against so i'm a little bit concerned i don't want like a high scoring game but i definitely want the galaxy toward the end to at least be we are able to breathe. Um, but I don't know if we'll be able to do much of that, honestly, in, in this match. I mean, my fantasy team wants a high-scoring game. Let's just put it that way. Um, well, sure. <laughs> but um, personally, I do not as well. Um, you know, I think the, the one kind of... And and, and um, there is a Conway clipboard coming this week. We're back. It's it's risen from its early grave. Um, is how are they going to deal with Christian Roldan? That's my question. Because... When Seattle's been humming this year, it's that 5-3-2 where Brad Smith gets into the attack, but they allow Christian Roldan to kind of float as this free-flowing number 10, and mm-hmm. it pulls defensive midfielders out of position that allows for Seattle to take advantage of the space. And I think, you know, this is when I wish they had gotten Revolosin and gotten his visa appointment a little earlier. Because I think in the, the way to beat Seattle this time around at least if, while they're while they're working in this in this formation in this in this system, is basically play a double pivot midfield and always have someone watching Christian Roldan throughout the field, but also have another defensive midfielder to cover the space that the other the, basically kind of when one goes the other stays. And so, you know, Christian Roldan doesn't get into the or doesn't have the time to pick out the passes that he's been doing with such excellent you know ability. But then you also don't concede so much space that you know a a you know a Brad Smith or a, a Joel Pedro or or you know, when he's healthy, Nico Lodero or, you know, all those guys can, can run into and, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you don't have a defensive midfielder and it's, you know, like Alex Roldan and Brad Smith and, you know, Will Bruin and Rory Diaz running at your defense and that's a problem. Um, so I think that, that's going to be the yeah, big... I think the Galaxy are going to have to adjust for sure as they play. I think they're going to have to feel this team out i wouldn't be surprised if they go down a goal first and then i think that they'll be able to to tighten up and and shift and, and be able to see how to how to literally tackle this team yeah and 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 keep in mind greg Vanning has not been shy about making changes 
in a game tactically in a very big way. He's not. He's he's definitely done that. He, he's not afraid to tinker, um, and I think that's that's been one of you know the reason why the Galaxy have been so successful is just simply because he's he's not afraid to, you know, to to to, to make changes. Yeah, exactly. To to edit and and to to say, hey, I got this wrong. Um, and, and not just that, and to trust to trust the guys to go ahead and pick up. Yeah, and and I think um, you know so so I think. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Vanny goes out and plays ultra defensive in this game. If he goes into like a, a maybe a five, you know, a four five one or something like that, um, you know, and almost kind of tells Chicha, "Hey, it's going to look a little bit like it was last season, where you're not going to get a ton of reliable service, but we need to be defensively solid in order to prevent, you know, kind of these, you know, what Seattle does so well, which is just turning, you know, moments of defense into flying moments of attack. You know, with Brad Smith just bombing down the wing from the wing back slot, and then you know Christian Roldan picking a pass to Raúl Diaz, who's somehow flummoxed a defense again for like the 3000th time. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if, if he adds another body into the back line or, or adds another body into the midfield and just kind of gums up things. Um, it, that that could be the case, you know, if, if things get a little out of hand and then, you know, kind of you, you, nick a, you, you nick a Chicharito special, which is that he just is a little bit smarter than a center back and, and makes a perfect run, which is kind of what they did against LAFC. Um, so I, I think you know, this is going to be... It's going to be an interesting game just simply because games right after the international break are always weird um, and, and, and never predictable in a, in, a, in, a, in a cohesive way. But I think, you know, <laughs> right. and, and also keep in mind, MLS. <laughs> you I was going to say, we, we try. I'm not on this show, but we, we do try with balls and beers. We, to, need, uh, we need to form to like a math equation to just properly, like a, a math quotient to properly account for like, chaos in MLS, like Delta Delta C or something like that, which is like the chaos factor of MLS. Yeah, um, because I literally thought that Sporting Kansas City was going to beat Austin for this weird midweek match. And I was just like, what just happened that they drew? Austin's you know? a good team. Austin's a good team. No, no, I didn't mean to like put down Austin. I'm just saying that Sporting Kansas City has been... Uh, I'm gonna say like a thorn in, in the west side because you know they're they're one of the contenders for the top of the table right now, and so that's why I was just like, are are you serious right now? Like I don't know. I thought that they were gonna they were gonna win that, but um, you know because of course how how other teams fare or how the Galaxy are gonna be able to move up because like right now they're sitting in third place still, um, which isn't a big deal. But when you can see how the other teams are are playing and the Sounders are at the top and you're, you know, and you're just like, you just, you really need certain other games to shape out. But, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> but anyhow, the, uh-huh. that's the problem with just how good the West is, right? Like that's, it's mm. just every game against, and, and, and that's kind of the, the problem with, with this year's schedule where you don't have that many games against Eastern conference opposition, that every game is an in-conference game and every game is theoretically a six pointer for 36 games out of the season like that. You know that will crush teams. You know I, I think definitely you're going to start seeing when we get down the stretch some teams just the, the the stress and the workload that is required to be successful in the Western Conference is just going to get to some teams. And you know I hope it's not us. I, I, you know from what I've seen the Galaxy do tend or do have a bit of a a more a mentally strong air about them than I would say under the Shiloto years. Um, but you know it, the West is just it's so it's it's a murderous row of teams. You know I think like. I remember seeing a stat like over the past you know seven years if you would put like half of the west coast teams into the east like no teams from the eastern conference would qualify for the playoffs like basically or something like that it was it was crazy um so you know it's, it's been it, it is difficult and, and it, you know 
it's Seattle, obviously, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a rivalry there, you know, with the playoff, you know, between the Galaxy, the playoff games between the Galaxy and, and, and Seattle. Um, you know, my, my utterly banal predict, or my utterly banal kind of random, this, the reason the Galaxy could win this is simply because the law of statistics says, you know, they haven't lost the game yet, and MLS demands losses, and so. <laughs> yes, and what better way at home in front of a full capacity crowd? I mean, not to say that that's putting pressure on the Galaxy, but I, I hope that that uh, really fuels their their fire. I think it will. Um, I definitely I, think know, it will. I definitely think it will. I just, you know, I can't wait to see it, and uh, I hope Cabral actually gets his goal finally. He, he's, he's due. Really he's hungry. due one. And to be to do that in front of us. Um, I'm literally going to cry. I'm going to cry when I'm there. Um, speaking of just a little side note, uh, I hope you've been listening thus far and stayed with us because uh, we have a treat for you at the tailgate. Uh, I'm going to be there uh, with Elias, our house. Christian, I assume you'll be joining me. I know you kind of float, and I know you, you're definitely um, part of uh, ACB. But we will uh, finally be debuting the project uh, that we've been working on with Elias, our house. I don't want to say too much. Uh, but there's going to be something for sale. So uh, Christian was a part of this project as well. So please come and find us. We'll, um, I'm not sure how tailgate's going to look like. I assume it's back to normal. So we'll be in lot 13 where we normally would be. Uh, but definitely, you know, follow us on Twitter and we'll uh, keep you posted on where we're at. And come and find us. We'll have stickers. Yes, we'll have stickers too. Catch me, catch me riding rail at the MERS concert. Oh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> All I'm saying is so whenever much. MERS is around the galaxy, good things happen. So I'm, I'm feeling feeling good about Saturday. Extra, extra good. Extra good luck. Um, you, you know, and, ba- and back to the match real quick. Just, um, you know, the galaxy have been doing really well to naturally feed Chicharito those balls. Um, and for the other guys to be, to be taking their shots. So I really think... Um, this is going to be a memorable match. I think it's going to be a tough match. Um, <laughs> let's just hope the referee doesn't screw the game up, huh? It's it's MLS. That's 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 a given. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I agree with you that it's going to be a memorable match simply because it's the first time that you know Dignity has been able to be fully sold out in you know almost like 500 days or something like that. Like that that energy and that kind of um, that sense of longing of, of that kind of for that kind of energy, I think, is really going to fuel the players, and it's going to be a, it, it'll, it, it's going to be a phenomenal atmosphere. I'm 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 excited to be amongst it. Are you bringing a mask at all? Uh, I I I I have been keeping one on me at all times, so I, I I will. But you know, same. I don't know how you know if you can go shopping maskless yet. So, um, but yeah, if you're not vaccinated, please wear your mask around me. Thank you in advance. <laughs> um, but yeah, so super super excited. Um, I think it's gonna be. <laughs> It's going to be quite the gladiator match on the pitch because, you know, it always gets so physical between these two teams. And, uh, the, you know, they both got something to prove. It's going to be it, – it, it, whenever Seattle and the Galaxy play each other, it's always, it's, it's always a talking point. It feels like a, a playoff match every time. Yeah, and it, 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 it's been so long since we've had a high-stakes match against the Sounders. It's, you know, so it's exciting to, to, to be in a game that kind of – isn't a high isn't quote unquote a high stakes matchup because it's a regular season game but again every game against seattle's high stakes but it does it, it does feel like a playoff game like it, it really does with you know the standing being sold out you know the the the, the all the stops and all the you know the, the pageantry that's going to happen with you know the tailgate and whatever have you um it, it does feel like a like it, it almost feels like an almost got final oddly enough um 
but it's right. it's not. Um, but you you just hope that they don't lose the forest for the trees if that's the case. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to be celebrating. I mean, the tailgate starts at noon. We plan on being there at noon, um, and then the game isn't until six. So there's plenty of time to stop by, get a sticker, buy a souvenir from us, and um, make sure to drink your water. It's going to be hot. Say hydrate, wear sunblock, because it's going to be real out there. <laughs> Alrighty, thanks so much again and stay tuned.